Hey gang, Ross Brand here for StreamYard Connect. We're about to kick off Season 5, and we've got a great guest for you today. Maybe the finest podcast producer and engineer in the world. Certainly the best one I know, and someone who is just the perfect person when it comes to talking audio and getting tips for being your best when it comes to sounding good on live streams. Let's do another season and another show. Here we go. Hey gang, Ross Brand here for StreamYard Connect. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. It's season five of StreamYard Connect. Glad to be with you and glad you're here. Hello to Sue Ann, who's watching on Facebook. Tristan, already here. Great to see you. Welcome to everybody watching on YouTube and Periscope. Um, I always say audio is the most important part of your live video. Unless maybe you're shooting a silent movie. Otherwise, the value in this type of live stream, certainly. Maybe it's different for gaming or other things. But when it comes to talk shows and webinars and virtual events, presentations, communication in a business context. If your audio isn't good, you're losing the value. If my audio goes out, there's basically nothing other than, well, you, you could look at my pretty face for a few minutes and then you're like, okay, really there's not much there. If the video goes out, the conversation continues because 90 to 95%, maybe 100% of the value of what you want to take away from that conversation is in the audio. So if you're having trouble hearing a live stream, if it's unpleasant, if the volume levels are way off, if it's, you know, scratchy, if the connection's poor, you're probably going to drop off. However, if you have trouble seeing the live stream, the video might be shaky but the audio is really good, and somebody's talking about something you need to hear, you're going to stay on, and you're going to stay there and listen. And so today we have Chris Kern here. He's a professional podcast producer. He runs the Podcast Engineering School. He's got a long history in the music industry as an audio engineer, and he's also a terrific podcaster, crossed over 200 episodes of the Podcast Engineering Show. He's an very prolific live streamer, goes live a lot, is really good at it, and uh, can't wait to talk to him in uh, in about 15 minutes. We've got some news and other things going on. I see Dana Bence is here, Brad Friedman, Puff Plays, NBC Peacock 2020 Arrow. Welcome. Welcome. That's, a, that's an impressive title there. Uh, so good to see you all here. Uh, I'm excited for another season of StreamYard Connect, and we have a Slightly different uh, cover as we are always evolving the look of the show. Let me know if you if you like this new look or not for the thumbnail cover. Would love to know what you think of that. And meanwhile, if you don't know about StreamYard, well, these are the shows that we have. We have a whole bunch of different shows. I will come back at the end and run down the whole schedule. But Daniel Glickman goes live on Tuesdays. Dana Bentz goes live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Of course, Sunday nights are the town hall. So a, a lot of different options if you enjoy 
StreamYard programming. And why wouldn't you? Because you love using StreamYard, and this is a great way to see what people are doing with StreamYard, hear about guests who are using live streaming and audio and video in their businesses, or just come from interesting backgrounds and have interesting stories to tell as we continue to expand um, our broadcast offerings and uh, a lot of different options now to watch and view. And that includes in Spanish. That's right. We're having our first show on StreamYard in Spanish. Diana Martinez is a podcaster and live streamer, and she's going to have a, a live show in Spanish on Friday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern. It's a brand new show. She's going to, if I can translate, I think that's top five tips for live streaming or something of that sort. So if you're, uh, if you speak Spanish or you're part of, uh, you know, you, you're part of a group or friends who speak Spanish and they want to learn more about live streaming and learn about StreamYard, send them over Friday, 2.30 PM Eastern, uh, for Diana Martinez, get top five, her top five tips for live streaming. It'll be on Facebook, on the StreamYard Facebook page, also on the StreamYard YouTube channel. And so that's one of the StreamYard updates I wanted to talk about. The other one, since we're talking about audio, is StreamYard continues to make audio upgrades. We talked about adding volume control where you can adjust the volume level for your guest or for yourself within StreamYard. Uh, you can also now, as you've been for a while, you can turn off the processing. Now it's called uh cancel audio no it's something with the echo cancellation right so you turn off the echo cancellation if you turn off the echo cancellation you should have good good microphone you should be wearing headphones if you have a guest uh because those things prevent echo and then you'll get more of your natural sound uh across if you're using good equipment you're going to get a higher sound quality and while this isn't something I can show you visually, uh, Gage and Dan have been working uh, on the product and they've improved the quality of the audio for people who are using that uh, their own audio and turning off the StreamYard processing. So if you're not using the StreamYard processing, you're only going to see the audio quality get better and better the StreamYard processing is one way that they're able to take audio from very different very different sources right somebody's talking into a professional microphone somebody else is talking into their built-in mic or their webcam mic if that person talking into their built-in mic or their webcam mic should keep the echo cancellation on they should keep the processing on because that will help you but if you are, are using a professional mic, if you have headphones on, you can sound even better by turning that processing off, uh, which means you're turning the echo cancellation off. And it also, there's other processing built in. It used to just be called processing. So it's just a name change calling it echo cancellation. But it, it, there's several different areas of processing that are involved in that. And so expect the quality to just keep getting better as we have more podcasters and musicians using the platform. Um, this is a, a, a Gage called it a minor upgrade on the uh, on the town hall. For me, I, I just love seeing 
I mean, the audio was really good to start out with the day I first got on StreamYard over two years ago. But the, the audio quality just keeps getting better, and it's pretty awesome to see. And it's also good to see Brent Basham's here. Good to see you, Anita Sonia, Christopher Rothstein, Brad Friedman. Welcome, everybody. Dana Benz is here. Uh, Sue Ann, of course, Cody Cottle. Good to see you all. Thanks so much for joining us. A lot going on in the industry. I just want to hit some, uh, some headlines and some numbers. Uh, Bandcamp. This one time in Bandcamp, I went live. So you can actually now have ticketed live streams if you're an artist using Bandcamp. And there's integrated selling of merchandise and uh, an integrated chat with fans. This is for select artists. This isn't open to the public, I don't believe. Uh, but this is the music industry has been really hurt by COVID because a lot of the money now is made in the music industry based on touring, based on concerts and in-person events. So live streaming has been a lifeline, and you're seeing all different types of live streaming products and apps and, and ways to sell access through live streaming. So this is another one. Uh, we've talked about it kind of over the last few months, uh, but Bandcamp, according to their blog yesterday, uh, started offering ticketed live streams, and you can see the schedule of artists on their blog that are coming up. Uh, Entrepreneur had some interesting statistics the other day. Uh, one was 80% of audiences prefer live streams to blogs. That was from the uh, New York Magazine and the company live stream. Uh, they did a survey together. That's where I, I saw that. Uh, and one of the interesting parts of that survey was that Gen Z is, and you've probably heard this before, but Gen Z very much consumes digital media on a daily, regular basis. So having live streaming content fits right in with the type of content that Gen Z is already consuming. And Gen Z prefers to get their content in particular directly from the brand rather than filtered through the media. There's a major distrust in the mainstream media, the online media that's now not also new anymore. Uh, so I won't call that new media, but the media in general, any third party source, Gen Z would rather go right to the brand and get it. So if you're able to tell stories and communicate in a way that appeals to Gen Z and is within the context of the platform you're communicating in, there's an excellent opportunity uh, for a lot of different brands, particularly to raise their, their business brand awareness through live streaming. And the article on Entrepreneur also notes, and this is from Business Insider, that live streaming right now has become a, a $30 billion industry. Uh, it's become a major part of marketing budgets. It, there was one study that said 28%. Um, that sounds a little aggressive. That sounds a little high, but hey, it's, it's good for people who love to live stream that that's where the budgets seem to be going. And it's projected to hit 70 billion by 2021, which isn't all that far away. So we're talking within the next 12 months, 14 months, maybe uh, it more than doubles uh, the, the, the value of the live streaming industry. And from GeekWire, 
they mentioned that this past October, just a, a month ago, was the most popular for live streaming on Twitch ever. Most hours ever watched on Twitch. What was interesting is, and I'll give this as a direct quote, just chatting is far and away the most popular Twitch category. Not gaming, just chatting. So if you use StreamYard for talk shows, if you use StreamYard for demonstrating how products and services work, if you show off how you do arts, crafts, create music, edit video, produce podcasts, if you want to go behind the scenes of something, if you want to put on an, a long-form talk show or, or a long-form show where you're demonstrating how you do your work, you got to try these things on Twitch. You know, uh, there's a built-in integration with StreamYard directly to Twitch. And if you can come up with something that the Twitch audience takes to, and I, I'd recommend watching some of the just chatting shows that are doing well there, there is an opportunity. So if you're thinking Twitch is just for gaming, that's, that's not true anymore. Twitch is for a variety of different types of content and there's the ability to monetize and, and, and more. So uh, take a look at Twitch if you haven't done so for opportunities over there. And, of course, if you're not yet on StreamYard, you can host your show with StreamYard. Get started for free to get a 14-day trial of the premium plan, the basic plan, actually, it is, which is one of the paid plans. And I think once you do that, you'll want to stick with it because the, the basic plan gives you overlays and backgrounds and multi-streaming and, and so many different great features that we use here on StreamYard Connect. Anything I'm doing, you can do as well with StreamYard. Nothing is too complicated and if you want to build out a big production you can do that as well StreamYard integrates with other tools but get started go live have fun uh, head on over to livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard livestreamuniverse.com slash streamyard and with that let's bring in our guest he is Chris Curran he is the podcast engineer not just a podcast engineer, the podcast engineer, at podcast engineer on Twitter and Instagram. He's a professional podcast producer. He runs the podcast engineering school where he teaches his students how to prepare for jobs as podcast producers at the highest level in the industry. And he's just crossed the 200th episode of the Podcast Engineering Show. He also goes live a lot. He's had the Podcasters Lounge live stream, which is a, a great time and uses live streaming for teaching and for his courses and all different types of content. And he's just a, a great guy and a good friend. Welcome to the show, Chris Curran. Chris. Hey, hey! Ross. It's good to see you. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me here. And uh, yeah, live streaming is awesome. I actually just last night was planning and designing a new live stream that I'm gonna do. Oh, I haven't wow. even announced it yet. So what do you? Oh, can you can you break that news here or? Well, it. So I, I actually don't know exactly what I want to do. Like, um, I kind of want to just play a little guitar and talk about some deeper subjects maybe play some chess. Like I just, I don't, I, I, you know what it is? 
I'm freaking bored over here with this stupid COVID. And I'm like, you know, I can call my friends, but if they don't call back, it's like, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I might as well go live. You can, you can take the guy out of Jersey, but you can't take Jersey out of the guy. Hey, I'm freaking bored over here. What, what are we doing? What are we doing over here? Crazy. Nothing to do. They just sit around all day. I mean, I can only work on audio so much. It's like, I just want to hang out, man. After after seven, eight, twenty hours, it's like it's probably good enough. Now I'll run it through <laughs> one more time. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So tell everybody a little bit about your background first in the music industry, and you know you've worked with some household name artists and rock and hip hop. Talk about how you got into audio engineering and 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 your run in the music industry. Yeah, I'll just overview it real quick. So I don't sure. want anyone to think I'm going to spend 10 minutes detailing everything. But basically, in the early 90s, um, I went to one year of college, regular college, and I was like, you know what, I don't want to do this. So then I went to school that teaches audio engineering. And I ended up becoming an intern in New York City in 1993, 1992. And I worked in three of the big studios in New York um, for four years. And then I left New York City and I was producing bands on my own. And, I, and I, I got a bunch of album credits, like you mentioned, and all that. And then uh, I was just producing bands on my own. And then early 2000s, I kind of stopped doing all that. And then in 2011, I found out about podcasts. And I was like, oh, dude, um, this is my world, man. This is my audio is my thing. So I got into podcasting in 2011. And since then, I've just been podcasting. And I started my podcast engineering school. And 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 for about the last three years, I've been getting into live streaming because live stream to me, live streaming is just fascinating. It's just I watch a lot of live streams and I like live streaming and it's it really it's fascinating to me. In fact, a lot of times on my phone, I'll be like, oh, I want to watch something. And when I go like if I go to my Twitch, I'll open up Twitch and I'll see which which channels of that I've already subscribed to or following are streaming. If there's no one streaming that's interesting i'll go to youtube but i don't know youtube just feels different than twitch like twitch has just this excitement right of live streaming i love it well that's interesting because most people are are still who are more into talk content i assume you're not going there for gaming content right uh actually i watch a lot of chess streamers a chess stream that see you're always <laughs> opening new doors i mean Chris is such an interesting guy. You you do meditation live streams, yes. and I didn't even know there were chess streams. I remember I played chess as a kid and went to some tournaments, and I, I just remember, like, how slow chess was. Like, you know, I, I remember <laughs> I got matched up against some, like, grandmaster or oh, something geez. in the first round of this tournament, <laughs> and he took, like, 20 minutes to make the first move. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, or he made the first move and he just sat there and watched what I did for 20 minutes. It was like Pawn King 4 or something. <laughs> that, I'm sure you've seen this 10,000 wow. times. <laughs> That's great. So hopefully it moves a little faster than that for live streaming. I don't know. Yeah, well, they have, you know, speed chess. So they <laughs> right, play right. three-minute games, five-minute, even one-minute called Bullet, which wow. is really fast, yeah. So what happens if no checkmate after one minute? Um, well, no, well, it depends, but or if you one run minute out of time, move, or is it, it one minute a move? No, no. One minute for the whole game. There's oh, different wow. time controls. It, right. You, right. You could do anything, but basically, but if you run out of time, you lose. So right. you got to make sure you don't run out of time. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Wow. So you're playing a computer. You're not playing another individual. No, no. These these streamers on Twitch. By the way, chess streaming <laughs> on Twitch this year has blown up. A lot of the literally the best chess players in the world, the the grant the real highest level grandmasters are literally streaming on Twitch every day. And you can watch these guys just play each other, play other strong people. It it it's it's fascinating. <laughs> that's a, that's something I had never thought of translating to live streaming. See, I'm <laughs> always learning something new from you. I, I we're going to get to audio, I promise in just a, a couple minutes, but Tell us what else, um, you know, what was it about podcasting? Obviously, the, the audio drew you in, but was it the, was it more about like, okay, here's an opportunity to express myself and be a host, or was it more like, hey, very few podcasters are trained as audio engineers, ding, 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 business, business idea. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so that that's a hard question to answer. I think when I first found out about podcasting, I just, immediately knew that because it was audio only that it would be just literally easy for me like it just it's something i could just easily do that was definitely the first that was probably even subconscious i didn't probably even think that at a thought of that it was pretty much subconscious but but no then but the thing about podcasting is it's a medium where you can do whatever you want there's no right. rules there's no what you can say whatever you want if you want to curse and be nasty, you could it, literally you could do whatever you want. Um, and and there's no one there to tell you what you can and can't do. Like you can put all kinds you can put videos on YouTube. But if YouTube decides that it's not good, they'll take it down. Right. Same with Facebook, same anywhere. But podcasting is like, dude, you could literally put up whatever you want and nobody can say anything. Right. And I thought that's a cool medium right there. Yeah, yeah I mean, one of the reasons that I repurpose a lot of video content as a podcast is not only because some people prefer to consume it, which is always the number one priority, I think, when you're repurposing is let's give other people a chance to see or hear this who didn't catch you live or didn't catch the replay in the first so many days after it. But it's also that you own your content with a podcast much more so than you do on Facebook or YouTube. So when you make a podcast, I'm I'm sending that to an independent host. I'm not hosting that on YouTube or Facebook. I own that forever. And I feel like that's kind of a legacy play in that, you know, you have different sites that are set up to follow podcasts and track podcasting and so forth, much more so than our for live streaming. So if you're thinking of downloading and repurposing the MP3 that you get or the MP4 and splitting out some of the audio for a podcast, think about long term what people may go to and listen to, whether it's on a smart speaker or a car radio. What I, I don't know what format we're going to be listening, but I think we're always going to have straight audio entertainment and audio content. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and yes, yeah, Sue Ann, I, uh, that was my dream to just go on there and be nasty, you know, <laughs> F, 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 F. <laughs> that was my first episode. I opened with 17 F words in a row. I'm kidding. It wasn't, but that's funny. <laughs> and then you started a business, the podcast engineering school, and you cleaned well, actually, it up a little bit. <laughs> actually first in 2012, I opened a podcast studio in New Jersey. Oh, a wow. physical studio. I had a physical studio in New Jersey for three years from 2012 to 2015. 
and I was produ- I was doing some of my own shows, but I was also producing for others. Then that was like, I mean, dude, back in 2012, opening a podcast studio was like unheard of. Like who, who does that? But I thought it was cool. I'm like, hey, I can engineer these sessions live and, you know, the people can come into my studio and I can engineer it live. And, you know, the local people can bring in their guests and they can sit there and have coffee and talk and then record. I'm like, this is great. And it was great for three years. Then we moved to Colorado. That's when I started producing all my podcast shows remotely, which is a whole nother conversation. But yeah, then in 27, 2016, I started podcast engineering school. And that's when I decided, I, it, it hit me that, you know what? There's a lot of people who don't know how to produce good audio, but they really want to. So I started my show, which talks about advanced audio production. And then I started my school, which is advanced podcast production. Yeah, so in the description on Facebook and YouTube there, are some of Chris's links to his podcast. There's also a link to the podcast engineering school. If that's something you're interested in getting involved in real quick, tell us who that's who it's for and, and, and what you're trying to teach the people who, who join your school. Yeah. This, so podcast engineering school is, is one of a kind. There's really no other program like it because I go deep into audio production, like all my audio engineering background from the music business, I bring some of that, quite a bit of that into this program. So I, t- we start from like, what is sound, you know, frequency, amplitude, all like the, we start from the basics and we build up to everything. We talk about everything in terms of audio production, all different types of equipment, uh, software, plugins, uh, recording, editing, mixing, mastering, like we go really, really deep. So. Podcast engineering school is not for everyone. It's not. I actually created it for the person who wants to start editing and producing podcasts and making money. Right. Because if you're going to edit show, edit and produce podcasts for other people and make money, you have to know what you're doing. So those people can get a good, solid training at my school and then go out and get a bunch of clients and work from home and make unbelievable money. You know, that's that's. That was the goal, and that's what I'm doing. So, and are you seeing like uh, an uptick in businesses? Because I I've heard about a lot of businesses now doing internal podcasting, like just instead of the company newsletter, now they're communicating with their employees and doing training and all sorts of things using the podcasting format, uh, as well as doing podcasts externally based, you know, for their for their customers. Are you seeing? In, in your business or from your students an increase in, in opportunities lately? Um, I believe so. I, I don't, I mean, I haven't, I, I, I'm not out in the streets, you know, right. Walking the pavement, looking for new clients. I haven't, I, in fact, I've been scaling down on my client work because I'm focusing more on the school, but yeah, everyone wants to start a podcast and, and there are different ways to do it. Like there's the cheap, the cheap way to do it, the quick and dirty way to do it, or, and, and a lot of people and companies want to do that. Hello, Ed Sullivan. <laughs> and uh, other people, other companies, they want to actually hire a professional because they want it to sound good and be professional. Um, so there's a, everything is going on right now. It's kind of like chaos, but guess what? That's a good thing for the, right. if, if somebody wants to learn how to produce and edit podcasts, this is the time because there's so many people interested in it. And there's so many people out there and I don't, I'm not picking on anybody or anything, but 
most people out there that are editing podcasts, they really don't know what they're talking about. They've heard a couple things online. They have their software they use and literally that's all they know. And, and for a lot of people and companies, that's fine. A cheap editor who just does his thing or does her thing, that's fine. But other companies and people, they want a professional and they're willing to pay, right? They have marketing budgets. They're willing to pay. There's money to be made. So it's a spectrum and there's, there's opportunity all around. Uh, Sonia has a good, uh, hey, Sue Ann, uh, let me see if I can get Sonia's there. Is the question is, you know, we're seeing a lot of people very interested in starting now video podcasts. Um, and she asked, which is better? And, you know, what do you think in terms of the trend towards video podcasting? Would you recommend to people start start turning on your video camera and making a video podcast out of it? Or do you think people should really focus on on the audio when they're getting started or they're building up their podcast? Yeah, there's no right answer, um, Anita. There's no right answer. It's, you know, you got to think about what you want to do and what your goals are. And do you want to be on camera and do you want to incorporate video or do you just want to keep it simple and do audio only? That's up to you. Now there's a technical aspect there, which I don't think we should get into, but most like if you put up videos on YouTube, that's not a podcast, technically speaking. Okay. So podcasting has a very technical definition of what it is. And it's a piece of content that's available through an RSS feed. So you can do audio or video through an RSS feed, but if you're just making videos on YouTube, and I know everybody calls it a podcast, yeah, and I know we're the, looking at the popular definition, which is yeah. Any, I mean, people back in you know since since I started live streaming in 2015 have called my shows podcasts, whether or not I ever plan to distribute the live show to an RSS feed. So. Right. I think in the common understanding, it's it's people think of it as uh, as a podcast when it's a recorded video that they upload because usually not always, but typically there's an audio podcast version that goes with it. So right. typically, like, you, you know, most of the most, many of the big podcasters not only are are putting their podcast out through RSS feeds to all the apps. They're also uploading the full video of their podcast or doing it live. And then perhaps also have a clips channel where they're uploading clips from, from the podcast. So right. I, I guess to look at the question in a broader sense, do you say turn on your video camera and capture that video and distribute that way? Or do you say focus on, uh, on just a traditional audio podcast? Yeah, it just comes down to the person. Like for me, I love audio. I don't want to deal with video because I'll tell you one thing. When you incorporate video into what you're doing, that's a lot more work. There's a lot more that goes into it with video. There, and if you're doing video, that also minimizes your options with audio because now your audio has to line up with the video. Right. You can't just see audio only is really easy to work with in comparison to video audio only you can slide things move things cut things out but if it's a video you start making edits people are going to see these edits and if the audio and the video are off <laughs> right right horrible so video production is significantly more intricate and more difficult than audio only so that's that's a that's a concern but other than that like i like i said what my original answer was look what do you want to do what's your right. goal i mean are you what's your goal do you want to be on camera do you want people to see you i have a i have a podcast 
I don't want people to see me. We're just talking shop. <laughs> right. Like right. I'm just saying, we're just talking shop. It's there's there's no need for video. I'm not mm -hmm. showing anything. So it's just audio. That's for me. So everyone has to decide for themselves. Well, speaking of audio, let's get into uh, some tips for people who are at any level, at any level, you could be using the built-in mic on your comp. Well, let's say you've got some sort of microphone, even a, e even a. Don't uh, say it. Don't you even <laughs> mention it. Okay. Hey, Ems. Thanks for stopping in. Hey, Marcel. Okay, I won't. You could be using a microphone and gear of any quality level. And there are certain things that if you do, you will instantly improve the quality of your audio and the listening experience for the audience. Can you talk about some of those things that anybody could could implement into how they record or go live today? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, is just the the acknowledgement that audio is really, really important and that you need to make sure your audio is good. OK, uh, George Lucas said, you know, the guy who did Star Wars, all the Star Wars movies and stuff, the classics, the greats. He's his a quote from him is audio is half the picture. Right. OK, audio is that important. I don't so many people think that the video is important and the audio is not. It's exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. And Ross, at the beginning of this show, you talked about that, how if the video, if there's a problem with video, you people can handle it usually. But if there's a problem with audio, it's a big problem. So first of all, acknowledge that audio is really important and acknowledge that you're going to have a microphone in a room and right. you're going to that mic is going to pick up your voice. So. What and most of us don't have what's going on in the background that George Lucas has with special effects. <laughs> and, you know, we're sitting here as talking heads. So the show is what we're saying, essentially. Right. <laughs> I mean, so, yes, your background and all those things add something to it. But ultimately, if the content that's coming out in audio form isn't good, you're not holding listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, so first thing and, and the other thing before i mention the first thing is um it, well first of all let's talk about mic technique okay? okay you have to learn how to speak into a microphone that is the most important thing that it costs no money mm -hmm. you know what but you just got to stay a consistent distance from your microphone you can't lean back two feet and you can't yell scream right into your mic okay you can't do that you have to stay a consistent distance from the microphone when you're talking that's all. And that's and right. literally that will make sure that your audio has a consistent level and that and that it's picking up your voice mostly and any reverberation in the room, any reflections in the room will be much less audible because your voice is really loud in the mic and all any reflections in the room comparatively are way way lower. They're not even existent. If you get close to the mic, you don't have to worry about that. So you hear people all the time. They're like, oh, I, I don't have a treated room and it sounds like I'm 50 feet down a hallway. Well, that's because you're not close to your mic. So right. being close to the mic and, and if you want the advanced level of that is mic technique, which means you, you've already seen me and Ross a hundred times in this episode. Whenever we laugh, what do we do? Ah, right. You move off the mic a little. You bit. move off the mic a little. And whenever you're going to get really intimate and say something really soft, you get closer to the mic. 
<laughs> that's mic technique. That is something you can learn. Doesn't take a lot. It's 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 not a hard skill to learn, but it is so important, Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing is noise and your recording environment can be a lot of it. You don't need a treated environment. You need a few little adjustments that you can make and they can make a huge difference. One I'm thinking of is getting your mic off your desk, particularly if you're producing and messaging at the same time. Um, you, you know, if your mic is on a stand, particularly maybe one that came with the mic that's sort of cheap and flimsy, that mic is going to shake and, and, and move around. Get it off your desk. Now you can sit up straight. You can sit comfortably. You can move it out of the way when you're done. Uh, you, you have a totally different relationship with it in the room than when it's on your desk and you're forced to sit hunched over a mic for a long period of time. Yeah, I have never understood these companies that sell a microphone that you're going to sit on your desk and that it's like <laughs> two inches off the desk. And like, what are you supposed to do? Hunch over? Like, it's it's literally ridiculous. But right. here's but it's cheap. OK, and the thing is, that's why there's one microphone we're not going to talk about. That's the reason it became so popular is because it's cheap and easy. And right, people who right. don't know anything, they just buy it and stick it on their desk. So any desk-based microphone, you got to be careful because you even put your hand down on the desk and it'll rumble through the microphone. Right. So you're right, Ross. You got to get the mic off the desk. And one other thing is you need wind protection. Look at me. I got this windscreen right here, and I also have this one. I'm I'm using two. Right. Right. To to to, to get rid of all the the air and the plosives that are coming out of my mouth. That's another. Uh, that's another big thing. Uh, and, and again, those two things are not hard to do either. Right, right. And you mentioned about the room you're in and the space you're in. Yeah, you don't need to go out and get soundproofing and all this stuff. It, but it does help if you have carpet and furniture and maybe some drapes. Like if it's just all wood surfaces and glass, then yeah, the sound's going to bounce around a lot. And of course, this is the reason why a lot of people go in their closet to record because it's really it absorbs right. all the sound and it's really good, actually. So, you know, you can get an area rug or get some something like you could see back against the wall. I have those uh, foam pads leaning against the wall. I have three huge foam pads leaning against my wall and they they absorb a lot of the reflections in this room. And of course, carpet, you can see my carpet. It's hard to point right, at things right. backwards. Yeah, I mean, I have blankets and stuff all over the yeah. area on the on near me, right? I mean, there, there's there's certainly more I could a lot more I could do, but there's some there's some other basics as well when it comes to recording or going live. What are what are a few of the other things that that you emphasize? Um, well, I mean, those I think those are the basics. I mean, you want. You know, you want to be close to your mic. You want to have good mic technique. You want to be in a decent room. So the thing about live streaming, though, like, like you could see how close I am to my microphone right now, but you could right. still see my whole face. But a lot of live streamers, they don't want this big mic in front of their face. And that is where the problems begin. That is where the problems begin. <laughs> so, by the way, they do make uh, microphones called shotgun microphones, which you can have a little further away, and it just points right at you, picks up. Your voice but some people they want to put their mic away a little bit like this like look now my mic's off camera all right how's this sound yeah now this is chris i'm live streaming baby all right how's this sound and how does this sound compared to where i had it before 
right which right. was about right here how does it sound now what what what's the difference you all heard in the chat let me know in the chat and sue ann yes sue ann never thought of mic technique it's really really important um what exercise would you recommend for proper breathing and speaking patterns um randy um randy asked that question i don't i wouldn't even think about that randy just get the mic close to yourself and just be yourself yeah I you mean, know what good i mean posture sit up straight drink yeah. water yeah like any yeah. of the things that are good for regular health are also good for your voice yeah yeah you don't need to breathing and all that don't even worry about all that just, just <laughs> like be thinking okay i i did stuff like 30 years ago i don't even remember what it was yeah. 20 years ago <laughs> closer is better see john said closer is better well yeah all right so yeah so that's one of the issues is people who are doing live video and particularly people who are using it to to talk to customers or teach a class feel like the physical mic pre presents a barrier now i'm always thinking about what's going to sound the best and and i'm thinking people a lot of people are, are are watching as they're working they're not you know they're they're listening primarily and so i'm um maybe more focused on on the audio other people think that that this is they want good audio but this is in the way now your mic seems to have pretty good pickup from a distance i mean obviously it sounds better when it's close to you but it seems to pick up pretty well from a distance where i think problems really occur is when people are using either gain hungry mics or exceedingly sensitive mics they push them away and then they crank up the gain to make up for it yep. and all of a sudden every breath click pop you know tap of the foot whatever yep. is being picked up as well as the noise in their preamp and it's like all of a sudden everything gets loud so there's a cost to getting that that mic off the screen yeah <laughs> Yeah, there really is. You can so, take it. You can. You, you really shouldn't hold it as a handheld. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, the reason. By the way, I'm using a channel strip which has a compressor. I'm using a compressor, by the way, and that's the reason why when I moved mine away, it right. didn't sound terrible. It still sounded okay, maybe not as good, but I'm using compression, and compression is a lot. We could talk about that. Um, you know, sure. if you're if if you are. By the way, Brad Friedman. Uh, Sure, man. Glad glad to be here. If you have any specific questions, let us know. Um, but no, using a so I use what's called a channel strip. So every microphone, every microphone has to be plugged into a preamp, and the preamp is the thing that boosts the level up to line level. Line level is where the level should be to to record and to stream and everything. Microphones they output a signal that is very weak, and you need to you need a preamp to crank up the level so that you can stream it out or record it, right? Every mic needs that, period. Uh, but the quality of the preamp affects the sound a lot. So, and, and, and if your preamp is not strong enough, like what Ross just said, if you use a Shure SM7B, which is the mic that Ross is using, they have a, a weak output. So if you have a weak output from a Shure SM7B and you put it into a preamp that doesn't have enough gain, then your signal is going to be really low and it's going to sound a little wimpy and low and faint and it's going to, I can't hear it. So one thing you can do is have a decent microphone and then you can buy what's called, well, you can have an interface, an audio interface that has a good mic preamp 
or you can buy a channel strip, which is a separate piece of hardware. You know, they make them different models, different sizes and everything, different qualities, different price points. I mean, you can get channel strips anywhere from probably 200 bucks. Uh, and anyone want to guess how much my channel strip costs? It's a Neve Portico 2. How much do you think my channel strip costs? I'll tell you, about $3,300. Now, that's because I'm a crazy audio guy, right? And I, like, I, I bought this channel strip. This is a once-in-a-lifetime purchase for me, right? This, this channel strip is amazing quality, and I'm going to use it for the next 50 years. No joke. So I'm like, right. you know what? I'm investing. So I got a good channel strip. It has a good preamp. It has a little EQ, has a little compression. And so my mic goes directly into my channel strip and then it goes into my computer. So by the time my, my voice gets to my computer, it already sounds really good. And then it's just a matter of sending it where it needs to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I so kinda... it's the compression that helps you sound good when you move the mic away a little bit or you move off mic Correct. because it's leveling things out. Yeah, the compression levels it out. So if I say something really loud, it's not going to be really loud because my compressor is going to squash it down a little. So when I'm loud, the compressor is going to keep it at a good volume. But then when I'm soft, the compressor is just going to let it come through. Yeah, it, it, it evens out the levels. That's how you can think of a compressor. You ever used an SM7B as a handheld mic? No. Wait, <laughs> what did you? <laughs> I was You're... trying to demonstrate putting the mic far from you. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship came down, which, oh. is an, which is another tip. Once you get the mic set in place, you don't really need to touch it <laughs> and move it. <laughs> Wait, the mic, your stand broke? Your, your boom arm broke? It came off the, uh, the yeah. you know, the, it came off. Okay. Can <laughs> yeah, you screw so it back on? I, I tried to, I, I need a little more time than oh, we okay. would have in between. So you're going to hold that. That's cool. Yeah, All yeah. right. See, it's like lifting, it's like lifting weights, holding this thing. rolling with the punches. <laughs> and it's also why it's good. Another tip is to have a backup mic very close by with an XLR cord or whatever connection so that. Had I done that, I could just quickly plug in like a Sennheiser E835 into another port, turn this one down, turn that one up, and yeah, I'm holding a much more comfortable to hold mic. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but that's that's rare. Like I even I don't have a, a standby mic ready to go. That I mean that's I don't that's I don't think that's really that realistic. Well, it, for most I people. have them in the same room that I'm in, so having them right. like exactly where I could grab them quickly right. would be a, a smart upgrade. <laughs> right. So Brad asks, can you connect a microphone to the channel strip and then to a mixer connected to the computer? Yes, you can. Uh, I would ask why. So here's the thing about mixers. People who don't know anything about audio, some people think they need a mixer. And for literally most everything you want to do, you don't need a mixer. Now, there are cases where you do need a mixer, but here's the thing. With audio, you want to go, you, you want to keep it as simple as possible, the signal chain. So my the signal comes out of my microphone, goes to my channel strip. From there, it goes into my interface and into the computer. That's it. You don't, the, the less amount of hardware you need, the better. Like, keep it right. simple, the better. Now, if you need a mixer, then get a mixer. That's fine. Yeah, you can definitely do it. And then something comes into play called gain staging. 
where when the audio leaves one piece of hardware and goes into the next piece of hardware, usually you have an output level and an input level. And right. you got to get those input and output levels correct so that the level stays good all the way through all the equipment. Because if it's not, if it's really low, then you crank it up, it'll be distorted. And you'll be like, why is the audio distorted? Well, it's because you, cr you, you have one input gain cranked up too much. So that's called gain staging, where you balance the level from, from hardware to hardware, you make sure it, it travels at a good level. And the same thing applies in post-production with plugins and stuff. But anyway, I don't want to get too crazy too quick. You basically, you, in, in digital audio, you don't want to hit the red at all, right? At any time, because then you're distorting yourself or is that too extreme? No, no, I, you're right. I mean, in general, zero is the top. And yeah, if you go, if you start going above zero, that's when distortion happens. So you want to stay below that, but it really depends on the equipment you're using, how close you can get to that or how forgiving zero is. Like I'm right. using a sound devices mix pre six and I, it has an analog limiter on it, which means my mix pre six doesn't let the audio get all the way up to zero. If the audio gets real loud, that limiter just pushes it down slightly right at the very top. So it will never distort. Right. I, I could turn this up 40 more DB. It still wouldn't be distorted. It would sound weird. Should we try it? Yeah. It's like riding the volume a little bit, but it'll be like, right. It'll be a right. little wavy, well, but so I'm going to crank up the volume, but that limiter is going to keep it squashed down. So it's just going to sound weird. So, all right, right now it's at the normal level. Now I'm up 11 DB. Now I'm up 20 dB. Now I'm up 39 dB, baby. How's this sound? Very distorted. Okay. <laughs> though you've got analog limiters, at that point it is sounding sort of distorted. Yeah, so now I'm back to normal, and it sounds right. fine, but anyway. But the, but the fact is, with analog limiters, which most products don't have that are on the consumer side, um, you can push the gain a little more. Right. Like you would with an analog board, because you, with an analog board, you can do it whether there's limiters or not, because distortion's much more gradual, right? As you go over zero in analog. Yeah, well, analog, well, technically analog doesn't have a zero, but yeah, you can right. push analog a little more than digital. That's in general, that's true. Dominic says he's receiving a lot of hiss on his recordings. What could be wrong? Um, it's. It could be a gain staging thing. Um, yeah, just the gain. So if you also, it could be a million things, by the way. So this right. is a good example where you just have to try different things. Make sure your preamp is set properly. Make sure your interface is set properly. Try And spend like an hour just testing your and recording little snippets and seeing the level, you know, record a little bit, see how it looks on the screen. Turn up your preamp more, record again, see how it looks on the screen. Just do some troubleshooting yourself um, and obviously make all, make sure all your connections are good so that all the audio equipment is connected properly. And yeah. So Brad had the question earlier about connecting a channel strip, for example, to a mixer. Right. Uh, basically, you would need at least an audio interface with most channel strips. So you connect it to an audio interface, which then converts it to digital or are there digital channel channel strips that um, are good? I, yeah i haven't looked into that i'm i'm there must be a channel strip that also acts as an interface but i don't know of one and i don't use one but yeah normally if you are using a channel strip 
you come out of the channel strip and go into an audio interface, which then which digitizes the audio and, put, and brings it into the computer. Yes. And so there's no need for a mixer at that point if your only purpose of having that device at that stage in the chain is to convert analog to digital to send it into your computer because an audio interface is made for that purpose primarily it's going to probably do it better even at the consumer level maybe much better right yeah correct so the only reason you would need a mixer ever is if you want a, a bunch of inputs you want to have your mic as an input you want let's say like for my show i play sound clips out of my ipad so maybe I bring my iPad stereo left and right into the mixer. Right. Uh, maybe I have three people sitting with me around a table and I need to plug in three other microphones. So when you start plugging in a bunch of inputs, that's when you need a mixer. But if it's just one person, then you don't need a mixer. And then not to confuse things, but the interface that I use, the sound devices mix pre six, it's, it's an interface, but it's also a mixer with multiple right. inputs. So there's, there are, there is hardware that can act as an interface and a mixer as well. Right. So, and so are you monitoring both your voice and the conversation through the, the mix pre six, the sound devices, uh, headphone yeah. output? Yeah. So I, right. I have my headphones plugged into my interface and then I can hear, well, I'm a little, yes, I can hear myself and you, although I don't do it that way, but yes. Right. <laughs> okay, I do so it a different way. I don't need to hear myself. And I, I'm not, a lot of people who they, they want, they want to hear themselves really loud in their headphones. Oh, I can't hear myself, man. Oh, it doesn't sound right, man. Oh, I need, I need more volume, man. Like that's a recipe for disaster because if the more you turn it up, a little bit of it is going to leak out of your headphones and go back into the mic. And it's going to be like, it's going to make it sound weird. So the way you monitor, you should monitor at a, at a lower level, not loud. And you shouldn't need to hear your voice loud. I mean, you can hear it through your own head. You don't need that. So when it comes back through a little bit, it makes you sound like you're on an oldie station. Yes. With that, hey, we're playing the hits yeah. from the 60s. <laughs> It got that little bit of like echo yeah. that they put in oh. CBS 101.1. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harry Harrison, the morning <laughs> mayor. <laughs> What's up, Jason Bryant? What's up, Randy Regis? So, uh, what are some what are some basic gear for people who don't have much audio gear or any? They're looking to get started, and something that's affordable. But in the affordable range, you feel is really good quality and starts you on the right way to build your kit so that you can sound good as you do the other things as well. Yeah, I mean, there are so many options and I'm I'm not like it just best to do your own research and just it, it doesn't take long to do your own research. But but yeah, like all you need is a decent you need a decent mic. And you need it set up decent, like you and I both have boom arms. Though now your your real <laughs> arm is a boom arm. Yes. Your your right arm is a boom arm now, Ross. And actually, okay. it's working very well. <laughs> so you need. I'm a... for hire. You can rent me for an hour. Right? <laughs> Get Ross to hold your mic the whole time. Um, so you need a decent mic, a decent stand or a boom arm, and you need a decent interface just to get right. the audio into your computer. That's the simplest setup. Um, the Focusrite two i two is is a good 
cost-effective and a good quality interface. I think it costs about 160 bucks. Um, yeah, and then there are other interfaces that are just as good or better. But, of course, the price starts going up. So, right. I don't know. I'm always... Here's my, my philosophy of buying gear. I always want to buy really good stuff. I'm willing to make the investment. I'm willing to do the research, and I'm willing to pay a lot of money to have really good stuff because then I sound really good and this good equipment's going to last a long, long time. So to me, it's worth the investment. Other people, I understand if you don't have money, if you need something cheap, you don't know what to do. I get it. But if you do have the money or if you can save the money, investing in good stuff to me is always worth it. It's just, it's just always worth it. Are you up against the clock or can you hang out for a few more minutes? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm okay. Good. So what I want to ask you, you mentioned uh, getting an audio interface. Digital mics are making progress. Sure just came out with one that is somewhat like the yep. mic that I'm using, yep. but it's, it's aimed for people who want both a digital option and an XLR option. Primarily, you're going for, uh, you know, the audience that wants a, a digital option is digital using a digital mic as they get better and better is it is it can you have close to the same quality going around the extra step of having a mixer or an interface or are you always sacrificing something when your mic is digital no if you get a U, if you get a good usb microphone it it can sound just as good sometimes even better so i'm glad you brought this up because we've been talking about channel strips and interfaces and you don't need either of those, okay? Like if you get a good USB mic, the mic you're referring to is the Shure MV7. Yes. And I actually helped recently helped uh, Carolyn Rivera, mm -hmm. the wife of the one and only Ralph M. <laughs> Rivera. Okay, I have to name drop what's both it, of them. What's their company? Give, give their company, Podcaster's Toolkit or something? Uh, Podcaster's Toolbox. Toolbox, that's it. So she yeah. got an MV7. It's a USB mic. She has it on a boom arm. Right. And it comes with a little app with some settings, a little EQ settings, and even a little compression settings. And I got to tell you, to me, with the mid-level compression setting, sounded good for 270 bucks or something. So yeah, a US, USB mics are very good. And, and if it's... If anyone is just a solo podcaster, like if you just want to get your voice into the computer, that's actually probably the best way to go. Just get a good USB mic and you go right into the computer and that's really good. And if your guest is always remote and you're using a third party tool like StreamYard or, you know, Zoom, whatever to Squadcast, do your... yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, you could probably get away with using a USB mic almost all the time. Yes, and, and see, the way you said get away with it, it's nothing getting away. It can be just as good quality or better. Like it's a USB mic is a good, is a perfectly valid solution. Basically, it has an audio interface built in. And as that technology gets better and better and smaller and easier to make, and I'm talking like I know what's involved. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. Parts. But as that gets, you know, a company like Shure making it isn't the same as a company that, you know, makes made budget mics for a long time. And like when Shure does something, they tend to do it at a high quality. And um, we're actually going to have later 
later on, uh, we're going to have Laura Davidson joining us uh, a few episodes ahead, who's from Shure, and she's going to talk about that mic and how it compares and, you know, how to get the most out of it. But what you said is interesting, because if you use that mic analog and you plug it into a mixer interface, then you're not able to use any of that processing that comes along with the computer app. But if you send that that audio directly from the mic into the computer via digital, you now can add that compression and you can add EQ. And there's another interesting thing because we're talking about the value being close to the mic. Sure, who, again, they're a company that wants you to do really well with their mics and they put in a far away setting and a close setting. Now, I don't know how it sounds until, you know, I really hear a few right. tests, a few more tests. But I know that in watching a couple of videos with the mic just being used as digital, it sounded really good. It did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, still, I still think that it's not quite what the, the SM7B is, but you're talking $250 versus $400, and then you don't need an audio interface. And like, there's the, the price of the mic when you, get a, when you don't get a USB mic is only the start of what you're spending. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good comparison. And yeah, the Shure MV7 is very good mic. And I, and I want to say that, like, even though it might not be as technically as sounding as good as your mic, the SM7B, if you use good mic technique and you do the gain staging properly and you record it properly, almost no one will be able to tell the difference. And you could still get really great audio for sure. We have right. a lot of questions. Yeah, you want to keep going? Yeah, let's let's get the questions or whatever you want, Ross. <laughs> like, like, like I, I ask you this on camera. Like, there's a cho like, no, Ross, I'm I'm sick of this and I'm not coming back. Oh. Yeah, it's always you always get a yes when you ask on camera. So I apologize for, it. but I assumed that you would tell me if you actually had a had a scram. Yeah, for if I had a, if I had to leave to go to a session, I would yeah. definitely tell you. Okay, yeah. Mr. Curran, what kind of capture card and video camera are you using for video? Um. None. I just, I have an iMac Pro computer that's about two years old. And I just, it's the, it's the mic on the iMac Pro computer. I, no, sorry. It's the camera, the camera on the iMac Pro computer. That's it. And I have a light. I do have a light right there. As you can see my, see how bright my hands are. So I have a light and I just, that's it. How about the uh, digital photography school on, on uh, YouTube mentions dental in Dental. I, I just think <laughs> digital. Dental photography school. Yeah. Um, ATR 2100X, but plans on getting the MV7 for people who aren't ready to commit to the MV7. Samsung Q2U and ATR 2100, 2100X. You still think those are, are decent mics for getting started? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, yeah, and I haven't done any comparisons between those mics, but... Um, but again, if if you w w you can have any of those mics, and if you use it properly, you'll right. sound really good, and that you know that's it. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending all this time. It's great having you on. We didn't even get to talk, uh, and I wanted to talk about your two hundredth episode. So, real quick, tell us what you did for the two hundredth and what it means kind of reaching that that milestone which is always an impressive number because most podcasts make it to about seven or eight i think before 
pod fading. So now you're what 205, I believe. Yeah. Getting there. So t- tell us about what that means and how you uh, what you did for the 200th. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I just I love doing my show. for For the 100th episode, we did something special. I asked people to send in audio roasting me, which and, is great. And I gave you your favorite mic. Yes, uh, <laughs> Ross used the particular microphone. Okay, and so for episode 200, I'm like, all right, what are we gonna do? And what I really wanted, I asked people to send in the absolute worst quality audio they could record. I mean. <laughs> purposefully horrendous audio and a bunch of people sent in some really nasty audio. It was, it was so much fun. Um, and of course I didn't clean it up. I want, I wanted the nastiness. So episode 200 was, I don't know. I, I treat them like celebration episodes. It's just fun. Um, that's it. I mean, I, I, I just love doing my show. My show itself is a lot of fun. It's really loose. And you know, I have, I play sound clips and stuff and it's, that's just the nature of my show. Cause I don't, I don't like podcasts that are too stiff and rigid and, uh, you know, for some shows that works, right? You have to do it that way. I, I wanted to go the other way. So I just keep it fun and loose. Yeah. And are you doing the podcasters lounge right now? Or you have a new thing you mentioned coming up? Where can we find out, you know, oh. keep in touch with when you're going live and yeah, well, the podcasters lounge is a Facebook group and, and I also was doing live streams every week, but I haven't done live streams there in a little while. So the podcasters lounge is a cool group. If you're a podcaster or a streamer on Facebook, if you want to join that group, but yeah, I might do some more streams. Um, you know, as Ross, as you know, if you do a weekly show or a weekly anything, right. That's a huge commitment. Like be, that this is what beginners don't understand, right? Oh, weekly show, I could do it. Some people start, they're like, I'm going to do a daily podcast. And after three days, you know, they quit because it's rough. <laughs> but anyway, so Podcasters Lounge, we stopped doing that live stream. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I might start doing something else. I haven't figured it out yet. But um, but also, uh, uh, Pumas had a comment here. Sometimes monitoring yourself helps to compare to your guests and adjust your level or theirs to match one another. I would push back on that a little bit and say that when you're talking into your mic and simultaneously hearing yourself in your headphones, it's really hard to judge the level because you're hearing your head, you're hearing the voice in your head. You can look at a meter. That's a better way to do it is looking at a meter. And again, there's nothing wrong with hearing yourself and it, and it can give you clues if you hear it, but, when you that's why like when when you go to one of the when you go to some of these conferences where you can try out different microphones you know you put on headphones and you walk up to a mic and you say hello hello testing i'm testing this mic and then you go down the line and you know test the next microphone and you can hear your own voice but let me tell you something that's not a good way to judge the microphone because you're not only hearing your voice through the microphone you're hearing it through your head and so that's not you can't judge audio like that. You just can't. It's it's not a good judgment. Well, I find that when I monitor in my headphones, just hearing myself louder in the headphones reminds me that I'm actually on and I don't need to be shouting to you, Chris, so that you can hear me in Colorado or wherever <laughs> you are right now. But if I don't have headphones on after being used to wearing headphones for so many years, I immediately think I must not be loud enough. 
and uh, then I get loud. You know, you start going up the stairs, and then yeah, got you got nowhere to go when you get excited around <laughs> something, right? right. right? Um, I want to. Oh, let me bring in this real quick. Um, Ambassador Emmanuel Gar Gabari says he's tried using a lapel mic and an ear pod during his stream yard streaming using his phone, but still hears external sound. Any vehicle that passes his street, what audio should I use to avoid external noise? And let me just mention that there had been a time, and I don't know where it's at now, but if you're going live directly from your phone, unless I don't think that necessarily external mics work all that well, although if you plug it, I'm not I'm not positive. There was a time you couldn't use like an adapter or an interface when you went through a browser-based product like StreamYard. I don't know what the situation is now, but mm. do you have experience at all working with lapel mics or those yeah. type of video mics? Yeah, lapel mics and ear, you know, your earbuds and stuff like that. There's a big problem with mics like that. A lapel mic, look how far away it is. From my mouth it's far away from my mouth uh earbuds mic it's hanging on a wire it's probably like you know like right here or something so the thing is the microphone that you're using is far away from your mouth which means that to get your level up you have to crank up the level of the microphone which in turn brings up the level of your surroundings so that's called signal to noise the signal is your voice you, you want your voice picked up. The noise is everything around you, which you do not want. Right. The answer is try to use a mic where you can get closer to it. Even those old school headsets with the little boom arm that comes in front of your mouth like that, those are, that would even be way better because the mic is right in front, like basically right in front of your mouth. So that's all it is. It's just, to me, it's a signal to noise ratio thing. The other thing is vehicles passing by, like, try to be in a room or something and close the windows where you, you can't hear cars going by. Like that's, you, you got like, when you are capturing audio with a microphone, you need to think that you're in a recording studio now. Okay. And your recording studio should be really, really quiet. If your recording studio has an open window with cars going by, that's horrendous. That's terrible. So you gotta be in a quiet place. And you gotta, you know, have the microphone close to your mouth. Again, it just comes back down to those basics. Unless, of course, you're covering the Indy 500 or something, then you want to hear <laughs> the cars go by a little bit. Totally. Uh, but you would still use one of those headsets so that your voice goes right into yes. that mic and it doesn't doesn't uh, get caught up with all the noise. Um, Hello, Saeed from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Happy to see you here. Good to see uh, everybody here. Thank you all so much for being here. But thank you, Chris. Podcast Engineering School and Podcast Engineering Show. Links are in the description. Check them out. Uh, Chris is a great resource. Catch his live streams. Check out the podcast. Podcasters Lounge on Facebook. It's a Facebook group. Sometimes he goes live. Uh, what else you got coming up? Anything else uh, you, you're working on right now? Um. Not really. I have a, I have some smaller courses on the site. And yeah, you mentioned everything. By the way, Sarah is asking, is a mic and a headset required to do live shows? I mean, yeah, Sarah, you need a mic. Like, you need a mic, and the better your microphone, the better quality it'll be. Like, without a microphone, I don't know, how, how are you going to even capture your voice, right? Like, I don't even understand that. So, yeah, you need a mic. 
even if you're just talking into the computer without anything, you're still using a mic. You're using the computer's built-in mic, which right. is probably the worst option. That's yeah, available. the computer's built-in mic is always the worst option. Um, <laughs> Second except- worst is usually the webcam's built-in mic. Right. Because that's generally farther from you than even the computer's built in. <laughs> yeah, and Sarah, if you want to, if you want to ask a more pre- precise question, tag me in your question, and I'll answer you on Facebook. And thank you, Chad, for being here. Glad you cool. appreciate it. Thanks, Sue Ann. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's great having you on. Thank you, Ross Brand, the legend, Mr. Brand, <laughs> Mr. Chris Curran. Check Thanks, him buddy. out again. PodcastEngineeringSchool.com. You'll find. All his stuff, including his goodie bags. He does a daily goodie bag with all the different products that you need and love to use. And we should tell you we've got other shows on uh, StreamYard, and we will tell you about those in just a second as I change the background up here uh, and walk you through the process. Every Sunday night, 9 9 p.m. Eastern, we have the StreamYard Town Hall with Dan and Gage. Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern, it's StreamYard Tech Talk with Daniel Glickman. Our friend Dana Bentz goes live every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday's Two Cents with Bentz. Thursday is the StreamYard Spotlight where she and her sister Kelsey interview you, the StreamYard user, about how you're using the platform. And again, come back and see us on Wednesdays, 2 p.m., Eastern for StreamYard Connect. A lot of great guests lined up for this season. And we have content in Spanish coming up on Friday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on the StreamYard Facebook page and YouTube channel. Diana Martinez will be broadcasting in Spanish, giving tips for live streaming. And we've got one video. We're not going to do a full remix, but we've got one video for you of uh last week's show and it's from our friend andrew can of tubebuddy and i had asked him about using tags for your youtube videos so i always say tags are they still matter first of all youtube says they play a minimal role but that's still a role right so the problem a lot of people in our space have with tags is that for so long creators where we just fixate on them to the point where they wouldn't make new videos. And that's very detrimental. If you're not streaming, if you're not creating content, it doesn't matter that you haven't found the right tags. It matters that you're not making content, right? So the problem was people focused and obsessed over them. Tags matter. And they help you in the initial upload of your video. They help YouTube understand, hey, the example is this stream. This stream is about how to optimize YouTube for live streams, right? So YouTube Mm -hmm. goes, okay. We see that in the title, we see that in the description, and we see it in the tags. When all three of those things are in alignment, YouTube has a clear idea of what that's about. Mm -hmm. Why that matters is because YouTube knows what our viewers watch. They know what people have seen before. I'm sure a lot of you here, if you are regulars on StreamYard, you know the streams. YouTube knows you know that too. So when they see that you, Ross, or anyone here on the channel is publishing, they know, okay, Ross has told us this is what it's about. This audience loves that kind of content from Ross. Let's put them together to show it to that person. So many great tips from Andrew Can of TubeBuddy. You can catch that episode and all of last season's episodes on the StreamYard YouTube channel, youtube.com slash StreamYard. And if you're not using StreamYard yet, sign up. Start 
going live with StreamYard, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard, livestreamuniverse.com slash StreamYard. Catch the rest of our shows, and we will see you back here next week, 2 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday for another episode of StreamYard Connect. Take care, everybody.